This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. Folks, I have sheets from Miracle Made and ugh, I love them, especially in the summer or in these transitional seasons where your body is like hot and cold and it's just like confused. Here's the deal with Miracle Made. They make sheets, okay? But they use NASA-inspired technology with silver-infused fabrics to make these sheets temperature regulating so that you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It's so delightful. Traditional bed sheets can also have way more bacteria. It can, they can have more bacteria than a toilet seat, which is crazy. They can lead to acne and allergies and stuffy noses. It's just super gross. My husband is one of these people that gets acne from traditional bed sheets. Um, but when we discovered Miracle Made, his face just cleared up. It was, it's been so great because they have this technology that prevents 99.7% of bacteria growth and it requires up to three times less laundry. Uh, so like I said, there's a self-cooling property for better quality sleep. There's a self-cleaning property. Uh, there's comfort and quality. I mean, they're so luxurious. It's like nicer than sheets you'd find in a five-star hotel. And it's designed for your skin so that bacteria doesn't get all up in your pores. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should try miracle.com slash fake the nation. Whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order them today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code fake the nation at the checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get that full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. Fake the nation episode 263. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, we talk about feelings, about cultural triumphs, about interpersonal failures, and everything in between. I am your host, Nagin Farsad, and we're taping this a few days earlier than we normally would, but in the era of Biden, where calm people lead, we hopefully, probably won't have breaking news, and if we do miss some news, it'll probably just like gently roll out like a yoga mat, just like sort of hitting a wooden floor. Uh, is that how we, how we feel right now about the news cycle? I don't know, is it just me? Today, we're going to talk about the shit kicker that is Tucker Carlson, about dating shows where you don't see the person, and finally, we'll talk about emotions. I am so excited about today's panel, you guys. Uh, we have joining us for the very first time the former senior writer for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. He's also the current author of the Substack, I Might Be Wrong, and he's ever so delightful, folks. It's Jeffrey Maurer. Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, and returning to the show. Uh, this is a man that makes the Iranian sandwich a true Iranian sandwich because I can't do it alone, you know? Things he's got, he's on tour right now uh, and he's going everywhere. So you're going to have a chance to see him and you absolutely should. It's called The Things Are Looking Bright Comedy Tour. Tickets are available at mazjobrani.com. He's also the host of the podcast, Back to School with Maz Jobrani. You'll be surprised to know that he's Maz Jobrani. Hey, Maz. 
Hey, Negan, how are you? Oh my God, so good. Uh, you know, and uh, Jeffrey, you're you. This is a real treat for you because you get to have <laughs> two Iranians on one show. It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> it seems statistically unusual if you're not in Iran. I would think. <laughs> there, there, yeah, exactly. Yes, All right, and so, you know, we were going to have the third panelist was going to be the Iron Sheik, but <laughs> we couldn't make it, so Jeffrey was the clear substitute. Yeah, you can't put um, the Iron Sheik. He's got, he's got, you know, way too many irons in the fire right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey. um, now let's get into it uh, with topic number one. Um, today we're asking, what is it about dating shows where the two people can't see each other, you know? Like where the bonds of fake TV romance are cemented by personality alone. Because apparently, like, Netflix has a new show out called Sexy Beasts, where the people are wearing these, like, prosthetic animal creature faces and they go on dates. So the only thing you really see are their eyeballs or, like, you know, the contours of their dental work uh what do you think of these like just first off like what do you think of this conceit where two people um are falling in love on a tv show and they don't know um what they what each other looks like uh i'll say (laughs) i personally i i Uh think you love it i can tell (laughs) well is it listen is it is it bad to say that you feel that there's got to be some physical attraction. I think that it's a combination because you have these shows where they it's all physical attraction and then the person's crazy or nuts or you hate them or whatever. And that exists a lot. I mean, I, there's a lot of people out there that are physically attractive, that are horrible human beings that you wouldn't want to be around. And then the the other side of it is there might be somebody who's super just you personality wise is fantastic, but no matter what you do, you're not attracted to them or they're not attracted to you. So it's a combination of the two. Yeah, my my, my take is is the same as yours, and uh, I mean I I will say I have so I haven't seen Sexy Beasts. Uh, my, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're, we're scholars. We're people of letters. We don't, we don't watch these trash. Oh, we do watch Dating Naked. Dating Naked's good. I don't know if you've seen that one. but um... <laughs> Which is like the opposite of uh, what we're talking about here. No, but, yeah, it's but cerebral. Good. It's cerebral. Right, I, don't, right, right, I, don't think you, I don't think you've seen it. It's a good show. Uh, dating Naked and Adam and Eve are our two favorites. Adam and Eve is the European version. It's the exact same show, which I like to bring up because I like that... Uh, a sort of pretension double backflip of saying, uh, yeah, we like to watch these shows where the two people, they date each other in the nude, but the European one is really superior <laughs> to the American. But uh, yeah, I, I think Maz hit the nail on the head in that like they're, they're having fun with the idea. We all pay lip service to this idea that, you know, looks don't matter. Of course, they matter some, you know, they're a factor in the mix. And I got to think what the network wants is they want the situation where the person gets to the end and they unmask, they, you know, all the chemistry was great. Everything was going perfect. This person has won. Uh, and then they take the mask off and the person is not very good looking. And then the person who chose them has to decide, do I look like an asshole on national television and say, oh, boy, the looks is just that part of the right, connection isn't right, there. Right, right, right. Or do they go, oh, good, and then marry the person and live together for 50 years to not look like an asshole? And, and that's part of my, my question is, I wonder if they vet, and I don't think they do, but if like at least, for example, if they were to talk to me, they go, okay, so 
describe to us what you find attractive. I'd be like A, B, C, and D. And then now they find whatever, a handful of people who kind of have different levels of that, then at least once you get to the end, you could be like, oh, wow, you know, th this person is has everything I wanted except, you know, her one eyebrow is stuck up in one position. <laughs> right, I'll live right, with that. right, right, right. But I don't think they do. I but, think Jeffrey's right. I think the whole point is to get to the point where then at the end, the girl's like, oh, God. Yeah, my, my, um, my guess is that it's complete <laughs> feast or famine under those masks. It, no, there's okay, nobody. No, so so no that's where you're both wrong. I mean, oh. for the record, this conceit of like not being able to see the person is not new. It goes back to the dating game in the 1960s, right? Like this has mm -hmm. been happening. Love is Blind is another show, another show where this happens, except for in Love is Blind, they're like in cubicles or something where they can't see each other, um, and they they chat via cubicles, anyways. Um, but in this show, here's where you're wrong everyone's hot <laughs> and i oh, watched really? some clips cool. from the show yeah everyone's hot so it's sort of it's sort of like oh so wait you didn't even really want i mean i think it also puts tv producers in a morally compromising position to take the stance that someone is not hot right so they <laughs> basically only book people who are hot so that nobody thinks that anyone is not hot <laughs> Well, right? I, like it's a weird position to say, well, we, we booked this fucking ugly person, you, you know, let's right. see how they do. That's a good point. Though it, it is also true in entertainment that all the time in a script, uh, <laughs> you will have a part that's written as like, unfuckable man. I don't know if I can say that, but then they have to send it out to actors and their agents going, hey, I thought you'd be great for unfuckable man. <laughs> I get that oh all the time. Oh my God, I get that all the time. No, but I get, I have literally auditioned for a part that was like, you know, Joan, the fattest woman in New Jersey, <laughs> like in oh, her, on her block, you know, and it, you're looking at me like I'm not, you know, a huge person by any measure, but like, those are the kinds of like, uh, descriptions that they will, that, that you'll get, you know, over the transom, uh, in this, in this ridiculous world that we habit of show business um but i how like, long sorry how long Nick, how long do these people and i'm just curious because i don't watch any of these dating shows when when the show is over yeah is it one of these where okay now you got to go get married or something like how long do they spend it with each other is well, it a, a think, week is it a day it's 50 years i think it's 50 it's, years it's 50, right it's 50 years yeah. it's 50 years i think in love is blind you like, it, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but like, I think in Love is Blind, what happens is that you then go to, if you agree that you like how this person looks, and again, everyone is essentially a model or aspiring model or former model. Like, there is a model in these people's resumes, by the way, literally straight up model. <laughs> Sometimes okay, a so fitness trainer keep, for diversity. Yeah, oh, yeah. So they might have flirted <laughs> with something like that, a fitness trainer. But, um, but literally, in Love is Blind, I think what happens is like, you choose to, okay, you're going to like, you're going to like go on a, an, a, an exclusive trip with this person that you've deemed your boyfriend or whatever. And you go to Mexico and then mm. in Mexico, they put the fucking spotlight on you and they're like, decide now if on television, you're going to get be legally bound to this person with marriage. Right. So then you have to decide like in front of the cameras, if you're going to make that happen. So at the very at the very best, I guess, you would just, ha like, if you do break up, you have just a legal hassle of divorce, you know, on yeah, your that's hands. Yeah, that's that's, that shit's a lot of pressure because, 
you know, you, you know, down the line, they're, they're going to, you know, six months, a year, whenever it happens, they're going to get into this big argument. And they'll be like, I don't like you. I hate you. Well, you married me. I was on, under pressure that producers <laughs> took me to Mexico and said, you either got to marry her or you can't have sex anymore. I wanted to have sex in Mexico. I said, yes. I mean, the producer talked setup. me into it, and my agent said it would be a good move, so I did it. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly. And by the way, yeah, go I, ahead. I, well, I, I think the saving grace, I would hope that the marriages are actually so brief they can just get an annulment. I think if it's like not mm-hmm. three months, you can just annul it. I mean, I saw another one of these shows. It was like, I don't, I forget what it was, like Wedding Ambush or something, where it was the same conceit of like two people who don't know each other at all getting married. And the producers liked that moment that Maz was just describing where it's like the person really has to decide, oh my God, am I actually going to go through with this? Marrying this person I don't know? Or right, am I going right. to am I gonna not go through with it, which is also good TV? Right, 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 right. I, you know, it's... It, the, the, have you guys ever been on like a blind date where you don't know what you're getting into? Has that ever happened to either of you? Yes. I mean, a friend set me up so like i i don't know if it was totally blind and that you know i was trusting my friend's judgment right right how did it which go? can be a disaster in some how cases. did it go did you it, did you hit it off with the girl um it, it was fine it was fine it, it was like it was like a nice conversation and then afterwards both of us were like hey should we do this again it's like no but we'll be polite and pretend like maybe but no it's just you know it's like just not that <laughs> right right so it was not yeah and i had the opposite i had this friend of mine who um, once I, I I met I was at, I, I I worked in an ad agency and there was this girl who started working there, and she was great and I was like oh my god my other friend is gonna love you you got like to me they were perfect I go this is um, I, I so excited I go yeah, this is yeah, am- yeah. You, I go when is this lunch happen let me help or I'll organize I'll do yeah, it, it totally, I, I don't uh-huh. know what. I don't know what level of involvement I had. I might even like reserve the restaurant, whatever it was. I was like, this is, and I was waiting for them to come back and be like, oh my God, we're going to name our first son Maz. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they both came back. They're like, ah, oh, I didn't like the guy at all. And she's like, and then he, he's like, eh, she's not my cup of tea. I was like, really? I go, well, how, how did I get that wrong? It seems so right. I, know, have what, a, what? I, I have like a marriage under my belt in terms of setting people up. Uh, oh, or like ooh. at least being 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 the vehicle by which they met. I have written and rewritten people's um, online dating profiles that have led them to many dates. I've helped them vet swipes. Um, I nice. I feel like I I'm I love matchmaking. Love it. And in Oriental. one case, Oriental. Yes, yes, indeed. And I've, I feel like I've gotten it right a, a, a few times, or at least people like, oh, I see why you set us up. You know, it's like not going to go anywhere, but I can totally see why, why you set us up. I feel have like that seen, is a reasonable response. Have you seen Indian Matchmaker on Netflix? No. no I've seen like a that, commercial for it. Indian Matchmaker is amazing. And you just made me think that you should have your own version somewhere because this Indian Matchmaker, she is so cool. She's like uh, like a Navy SEAL. She'll show up. She'll talk to the guy. She'll talk to the girl. Oh, she I figures it that. out. And then they interview her, and she's like, I don't think there's going to be much chance of any, you know anybody wanting to marry this girl. <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. And she's great. But you have to watch Indian Matchmaker. I binge the whole thing one season. And then I want I want Negin Persian Matchmaker. Let's do Can this. Can we? Is is anyone listening on all of the televisions? Can can someone give me Nagin Matchmaker? Because I feel like this is my part of my calling. I love it. Um, okay, well, folks, let me know how much do looks matter. And uh, and I, I just want to say to you on a dating front, 
I've dated dudes that are like, I guess maybe traditionally considered ugly. And I've dated dudes that are traditionally considered hot. Um, and I think for every, I think for me, I'm not, I've never really been moved by looks one way or the other. It's like, it's a, it's another chemical thing that happens for me. You know what I mean? So I think like a show like this, like, I think I could throw on a prosthetic and figure it out. Right. Because it, it is another quality. Um, it's not so looks based for me. Well, I think, uh, listen, it's, it's not, it's, it's not, not, not to that, say that I'm awesome. I'm not to say that I'm so, I'm so morally above you guys. I'm just saying like, I noticed in my history of dudes that they've been all over the place with looks, but I have friends who only date hot people. Like, and I see that, you know, Oh, that bird's very hot. Bird's but you very said, hot. but you said like, like, tradi- not traditionally, I forget what the word was you said, but basically people that are considered hot yeah, like mainstream hot. Yeah, but I agree with you. Like there, there were there have been people that you know, someone would like, oh my god, she's so hot, and I look, and there's zero attraction. There's zero sexual attraction, and then you see somebody like you said who does not the standard hot. But something about you know they're like, oh my god, I'm turned on by this girl, whatever it is. So it's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Because this is from the New York Times article uh, about it, descri- describing sexy beast. They attempt to establish a romantic connection without knowledge of any other dating partner's craniofacial features, apart from eye color and, in some cases, general interior mouth appearance. Hey, for me, general <laughs> interior mouth appearance is the whole ball game. <laughs> so this conceit that you don't know the person's physical mm-hmm. traits, not true, in my opinion. Not, not true. true. Well, and also you're getting, like, their whole body, right? That's right. So you can tell what their body type is and all that stuff. So it's true that they're getting more information than the, than the show is letting on. And if you've got a mouse fetish, fetish you know, Yahtzee, because the That's person is dressed sh- up like a mouse. <laughs> Folks, uh, let me know what you think of this whole conceit. Um, and, and I don't know, have you, did you, did you start talking to a person before seeing them and then did it change or did it work or what happened? I'm so curious. We're going to take a quick break and learn about our sponsors. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about Tucker Carlson, but stay tuned. We're going to make it fun. Don't worry. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. So, you guys, let's talk about Tucker Carlson. And to be honest, I'm sort of loath to do it because I'm like, who cares about this fucking guy? But we read a profile of him in the Washington Post. And in it, a conservative researcher named Christopher Rufo was quoted as saying that, quote, the reality is that Tucker Carlson tonight is the highest rated show in cable news. And to a large extent, Tucker frames the narrative of conservative politics. Tucker doesn't react to the news. He creates the news. So with that kind of impact, we kind of I just kind of feel like we might have to know a little bit about Tucker. But I do apologize to you both and to myself for making us learn more about him. Um, What I just what were your general thoughts about Tucker Carlson before, you know, reading this piece and your sense of his influence? I feel like he's kind of snuck up. Like I always thought Bill O'Reilly and then uh, Sean Hannity. I felt like those guys were the guys and Tucker. I just remember the bow tie. Yes, and he seemed kind of like a yeah, like a bit of a buffoon, but uh, just this guy. And then to see that he's so now influential, I have friends that are on the right that watch him, and they'll send me nonsensical rants that he makes, but they think that it's you know a good thing that he's saying. And it's uh, it's nuts. It's just totally this whole thing of him saying like I mean in the article he talks a lot about he's taking this angle of. Um, 
he doesn't want to be blamed for slavery and you know people that are against critical race theory all this stuff is so stupid and silly it's like nobody's blaming you oh, yeah <laughs> but there's a history dum-dum right, it's like right. we can't, you can't he you talks can't about that a lot he talks yeah. about that a lot jeffrey what was your sense oh I, so much of my brain space is devoted to not letting tucker carlson into my brain space <laughs> uh, yeah you, Same apo- here. you apologized for bringing this topic up uh apology accepted uh, really, my ideal state is just not talking about or being aware of Tucker Carlson. But no, I don't know. I mean, he he does have this weird career arc where 20 years ago, he was like the House conservative on CNN and later MSNBC. And he was, yeah, like a the bow. I mean, the bow tie really sticks in the mind. <laughs> like, that's what he was known for first. So yeah. he was in a league with like uh, Orville Redenbacher and Louis Farrakhan, <laughs> which is a weird triad. But Very weird. Yeah. And then so he he took over Bill O'Reilly's spot. And it, it did kind of make me remember how happy I was when Bill O'Reilly left. Yes. And I was like, oh, great. Like that guy's not going to be on the air anymore. And, you know, I don't know why I was so naive. Like, you know, Fox News wasn't going to replace... Bill O'Reilly's slot with new episodes of Faulty Towers. Like, of course, they're going to get some other (laughs) right wing blowhard in there. And they did. And this is the guy who has that spot at the moment. They're like cockroaches. They keep coming. You can't get rid of them. Yeah, And it's funny because I wonder, I I have thought like, oh, I wonder what Bill O'Reilly's position is on vaccines. Um, I did not wonder that. That's interesting that no, you wondered that. <laughs> no, just as you're talking, I'm just like, oh, they replaced Bill O'Reilly with this guy. Would would where would Bill O'Reilly have been on this? Because it's unclear that Bill O'Reilly even had the same cultural. I mean, he had a huge cultural impact, but I don't even know if it's the same as Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson right now seems to be just the leader, you know, just the straight yeah. up leader of what the discourse is. And uh, and just for people who might not know some of the stuff that he spewed, if like, you know, like the three of us, you you don't uh, watch him. Um, he has echoed Trump's falsehoods about the election being rigged. He promotes baseless notions of that the FBI agents were behind the storming of the Capitol. Um, he is pretty pro-vaccine, but like still questions the efficacy of the vaccine and um, tells, you know, it, it, it engages in a lot of like conspiracy theorying around the vaccine. Uh, he questioned whether uh, George Floyd's death was caused by a police officer. Um, he says Black Lives Matter, Black Black Lives Matter is poison. Um, again, like that thing that Maz, you were talking about where he takes it personally, that like slavery, you know, that he wasn't responsible for slavery, like as if that's what anyone's saying. Uh, he th- That is really, really central to his view of the world and his view of everything. Um, it's it it's all done with questions. You, you throw out questions so that your viewers go, oh, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, you know, so like what you just said, he could say, if the FBI wasn't involved in the storming of the Capitol, how did they get, get past the police so easily? Why were cameras there ready to film them? But, 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 but. And so someone said, they go like, yeah, he's right. Yeah, Why questions. was that? Yeah, yeah. man, you're if making vaccines- some good points. How did they get yeah. past the police yeah. so easily? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing with this critical race theory bullshit, it's like... Oh, he, which is the centerpiece right now of his show, basically. Well, it's the centerpiece of a lot of people's argument on the right. And I go, I go, guys... They, they're, they're, we don't want our kids to learn that America was bad. Really? You, you, it's like saying, like, you know, 
you know, the, you know that the, our that dad was such a funny guy. Yeah, but he used to beat everybody. Yeah, but he was a really funny guy. Remember when he extorted money from people? But a funny guy. <laughs> what about that time when he beat up the neighbor for just looking at mom in the wrong way? He's a funny guy. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, too, is that he they tried to in this for this Washington Post profile, um, they tried to get him to to comment and do an interview. And he wrote to the Washington Post. He gave a statement saying, you want to make me shut up. So you call me a racist. I've seen it before. And that, I think, is also a thing that he's really known for is if you do call him a racist or if you you call his like line of thinking racist. Today's show is sponsored by Paired. And oh, my God, me and my husband have had such a great time using Paired. We had this conversation recently because one of the questions that the app gave us was how do you personally express your love for your partner? I had some really ridiculous things that I was sharing with him that he sort of like totally saw as like, oh yeah, that is how you, you show your love for me. Like one of those things is he's like very sensitive to windows being open without the screen being there or like shades not being drawn at night or like just stuff involving windows. And I'm the kind of person that doesn't care about that. So I show my love for him by like doing those things because I know <laughs> He cares. And he recognized that as like a very weird form of showing your love for someone. And then I was like, I should actually do more exciting and interesting things for him. One of the ways he shows his love for me is by wearing the clothes that I buy him, which he doesn't always want to wear. But he does because he knows that I love like seeing them. P.S. I feel like he looks better when he wears the clothes I buy him. All right. That's just a side note. But point is, we've had these really fun conversations because of paired and it's as you've now guessed a relationship app for couples you and your partner you download the app you pair together and every day paired gives you questions quizzes games it's a way to, to have fun stay connected and deepen your conversations and i think you know when you get to a certain point i mean me and my dude have been together for like 10 years so it's kind of great to have this external entity like giving you these questions and inspiring new forms of conversation that you hadn't thought of in these 10 years. And so I don't know, I highly, highly recommend Paired. It's so fun. Um, whether you're a new couple and you could you could really use some some questions to get things to deepen things, or you're a couple that's been around the block and you could use these questions to kind of like find new and interesting things you didn't really know about each other. Either way, it's time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using Paired. Head to Paired dot com slash fake the nation to get a seven day free trial and 25% off. If you sign up for a subscription, just head to paired.com slash fake the nation to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using paired. A happier relationship starts here. Go to paired.com slash fake the nation. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique, and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Um... 
it fuels him. Like he loves that because he he easily is like, no, 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 you're racist because you're trying to make white people feel bad for stuff. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting about the profile, like this moment really stuck out to me. I don't know if it stuck out to you guys, but he they they looked at his some memoir that he wrote. And in that memoir, he pinpoints the moment he kind of became a a conservative or rather an anti-liberal. And he pinpoints it to like a teacher he had in first grade named Mrs. Raymond. And he talked about Mrs. Raymond having Indian skirts, sobbing at her desk, um, how Mrs. Raymond couldn't teach her, teach Tucker how to read and write, how his dad had to hire a tutor for him separately to get through the like reading and writing stuff when he was in first grade. Um, and then they interviewed Mrs. Raymond right now, three to four decades later, whatever. And Raymond said in the interview, she's like, I, that was so crazy. I literally, I don't own Indian skirts. I never talked about my political views in the class. Like I never, um, like I never cried in class. I don't know what that story is. I not only taught Carlson how to read and write, but I was also hired by his parents to come and teach him reading and writing at home. <laughs> so they not only like this teacher enough at school, they liked her enough to hire her separately to come and do extra work with him. So it's like his account of being six was already just this crazy you know, I mean, obviously it's he said, she said in parts of it, but it just seems like the, the fact that the parents hired her really puts a hole in his story. Well, Nagin, um, you're starting to make me think that, that think? He, he, he might be kind of a bad guy who plays fast and loose with the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did think that was that was unbelievable. Uh, Mrs. Raymond does seem I mean, I would you trust an adult's memory or a six year old's memory? And my mom's a first grade teacher. So I uh, reflexively take the first grade teacher's side. But that did seem like right. a pretty incredible. If that is, in fact, that if he is, in incredible. fact, manufacturing that narrative, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And, yeah. and how, he, how he makes her, you know, seem so liberal. It's, it's like me saying like, yeah, my my teacher was right wing. He had cowboy boots. He used to put us in cages. Right. <laughs> He wore red hats. He wouldn't let the immigrants into the classroom. It was. It's like, too, the description is so on the nose. Sobbing in the class while wearing Indian skirts. Like, what are you talking about? By the way, she's a first grade teacher. She's allowed to sob. Okay. You know how hard it is to deal with first graders? By the way, just like side note, I uh, was, I've been taking my kid to like a summer camp every day this week. And the, when we take her up to, up the stairs of this little school, it's just basically preschool but like in summer camp is but named summer camp. Um, and when we take her up the stairs of the school and the teacher comes out and like is there to take the kid inside or whatever, my daughter has just been just like sobbed, sees this woman, sobs. <laughs> and, and I'm like, wow, what a weird res- like response you have to deal with like every day from random kids. It's like one kid will see you and just start hysterically crying, <laughs> um, which is uh, which is probably a lot of where this memory is steeped uh, for Tucker Carlson. He was probably the one sobbing uh, in, in first grade. Um, so I guess what it, just in, in our final thoughts here, um, do you think he's going to have a lasting impact? I mean, do you, what do you, where do you see this guy going or not going? Oh, lasting impact. Uh, uh, he is the, he is 
the person who is presently giving voice to those viewpoints. And if it wasn't him, I mean, I go back to Bill O'Reilly. If it wasn't him, it'd probably be some other guy. Uh, much the same way, you know, you can ask, like, why are there so many kids' movies with fart jokes in them? The answer is because kids want to watch that. Uh, why are there so many of these, like, really vitriolic opinion shows? Because people want that. Yeah, and if you guys, I don't know if you guys saw Into the Storm, the QAnon documentary. It was great on HBO Max. It's a five or six episode series. And the guy basically finds out who Q is. And it's this guy, this like kind of nerdy dude in Japan who just puts all this stuff on the internet. And people, like you were just saying, Jeffrey, people want to see this, that, oh my God, this conspiracy is clearly, they're connecting the lines all the time, the dots. And similarly, I think Tucker is that right now. I'm just waiting. It's a matter of time before he either says something or something comes out about what a horrible human being he is to the point where Fox is going to be like, ah, oh, we can't have him on any anymore either. So now let's bring on. I think it should come next. out that he named his son Buckley Carlson. What a what a cruel thing to do to your kid. It's a tough one. It's a yeah. tough one. Folks, let me know what you thought. There's this this profile is really fascinating uh, in the Washington Post, so check it out. Uh, let us now move on to topic number three. So we read a piece in the New York Times titled How to Raise Kids Who Won't Be Racist. This feels like a little bit of the opposite of the last segment. Uh, so my first question is, um, you know, do either of you have kids and have you dealt with this question? Uh, I do not have kids. And uh, I, I, so I appreciate being asked uh, for my opinion on <laughs> child rearing, you know, much in the same I way. Have, I, I happen to know that Maz has kids. So I was curious. Well, I'm curious just generally your philosophical position on, on this shit. But uh, but Maz, I, I'm also wondering about your just actual lived experience with this. Well, you know, I'm Iranian. My wife's Indian. So I, I teach my kids to be racist against Indians so that I can win <laughs> in the battle of parents. No, they um, they're really good i mean i i uh i i'm always amazed that they go to these schools that are pretty progressive and they talk to them about stuff and and we have you know since they were kids our neighbor's husband was black wife was white the kids were best friends with my kids it feels like skin color wasn't an issue right interestingly enough just this past summer my son is now 13 we took them to a um sleepaway camp and we didn't realize my wife had signed them up thinking that it was like all kinds of sports. So we signed my son up for parkour, which I say is like a very West Side sport where you teach your kids how to. If uh, for for those of you who can't see this, he is using air quotes around the word sport, which I think yeah. is completely <laughs> well, appropriate in this case. Well, yeah, it's it's like you teach your kids how if they get in trouble, how to jump up the side of a building what? and run away. Hey, what? <laughs> They, we, uh, I think we need to uh, not endorse that uh, particular tactic. If you get in trouble, jump off a building. No, not jump off a building. If you if you get into like if scale so, like, a building. Yes, scale a building and run away. Scale Whereas like tough kids, tough kids learn to fight. Right, my kids learn to escape by scaling the building like Spider Man and get out. Anyway, uh, no, you can't this- do that. that uh, Nagin, where are the lawyers on this show? You can't tell kids to do that. Um, sorry, no. Jeffrey, you're talking to a parkour fan, okay? Oh, so oh. I'm going to let it stand. So, I didn't know this was a, an Iranian parkour theme episode. <laughs> I feel very out So of place. we go to the camp and all the kids are these, it's a skateboarding camp and all the kids are these white skateboarders and it's like two hours outside of LA and it feels very stop the steely. And my son, <laughs> okay. who's my son, who looks more Indian than Iranian, he goes, "Daddy, I'm the only 
person of color here. I go, don't worry, buddy. You'll be fine. You'll do fine. The next day we're on the phone with him. How's it going? He's like, well, they called me Abdul. Uh-oh. And then they, they told me not to blow up their house. Oh, great. And they told me to go back to Africa. <laughs> Wait, this is literally 2021? It was like a month ago. Oh, Jesus Christ. Bad stuff. <laughs> what did you like, say? Did he, did, he, go, but did, he, did he scale a building to escape the situation? <laughs> he did scale the building to escape okay, the situation, good. and uh, they couldn't say it anymore. No, he 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 kind of he stood up for himself, and he was saying things back, and it's just it's out there. I mean, like like I said, my kids grow up around this, and they're in private schools that are very on top of it and right. very woke, let's say. And then when they go to the things like this, you go, oh wow, this stuff is not stopped; it's still out there. And then what did you say to him, like, as a parent? Like- oh, I started sending him, me- I was like, because I was texting him, I go, tell the kid, whatever, Wonder Bread. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, com- was like comedian's call him, route. Okay, call nice. him Casper. I go, call him Casper. And then I was like, because it was skateboarding, I was like, if he's skinny, call him Bony Hawk instead of Tony Hawk. And my, my son's like, dad, no one gets your references. I'm like, ah, forget it. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, uh, they're like, we're uh, we're eating um, organic sourdough bread from a sourdough that's like, you know, from you know, thirteen years ago, like uh, yeast in from San Francisco. Yeah. So we don't. What is Wonder Bread? Um, yeah. That's really sad. I mean, but I also I like the comedic approach to handling it. Um, but okay, so Jeffrey, the article points out that children, um, it's that children do notice race. So there's this whole school of thought among some parents, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. that you should do this kind of colorblind parenting where you don't really talk about race. You don't like point it out. You know, you don't want to point out that someone's different. Um, and the, the article points out that children actually do notice race. They do notice and people like look different. Um, and so, quote, attempts to suppress discussions about race and racism are misguided uh, because those uh, efforts won't eliminate prejudice. They may, in fact, make it worse. So basically, colorblind parenting isn't, you know, just unhelpful. It could actually perpetuate racism. Um, what, how does that sound to you? Does that does that sound like it makes sense as a non-parent? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking as someone who knows nothing about the topic. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does. It does seem I, I, silly denialism. I would think would would never be the way to go as a parent if your uh, child is noticing something and asking about it to just go no what 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 are you I hmm, I haven't noticed that that's ridiculous um, you know we might argue that uh, race is not a meaningful construct but it is cer- certainly a thing in the world it is thing a thing people notice and it's uh, not only likely it's probable that your kid is at some point going to notice uh, you know I've got this skin color somebody else has a different skin color what's up with that. Um, it, it is probably good as a parent to have uh, something to say about, you know, what that means to people and how that has uh, affected people in the past, uh, rather than just going, no, what are you talking about? I, I don't know. Right. And actually, a 2012 study showed that white parents thought their preschoolers harbored no racial prejudice, but then they did a test of the actual preschoolers, and those preschoolers said that they didn't want to have black friends. Yeah, it's the kids' so, fault. That's, the, that's so, the subtext of this article, is that the kids are super racist. The kids are the problem. So, so like, basically not talking about it doesn't, doesn't help. And it's what's interesting 
is that also that in another study found that white children who had learned about racial discrimination had more positive attitudes towards black people. I think what's what's also weird about this whole thing is because like Maz, you're saying you're you're running your your wife is Indian, their best friends are biracial. I, you know, I'm Iranian, my husband is black, my kid is biracial, right? So, like, I, I mean, she, we, it hasn't come up yet with her. She's too young. But, for example, she did see the new Space Jam poster the other day. She was pointing at it because she really wants to see this movie. And um, and LeBron James is in that poster, right? And she she kept pointing at him being like, ba 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 because uh, he's a black man and her dad's you got a black it, you got man a racist because kid. she's a racist. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Like, she, she at that age is drawing connections, you know what I mean? In which she thinks LeBron James is her dad. Um, and <laughs> and I think that it it's funny because it's because she's already born into this like just set brochure cover that, that our family is, um, you know, diversity brochure cover. Like it's, uh, it sort of comes with the territory. Like, I don't feel like I have to, I mean, I probably will feel different. I don't know. But as of now, I don't feel like I have to schedule in a talk about race. Cause she's just living it. You know what I mean? So it's just a yeah. different relationship. I feel like, um, this is this is something that's more geared towards like white families, you know, because they are they have to be like, oh, shit, like they're going to meet black people. I want to make sure or, you know, or um, Latinx people or whatever, Middle Eastern people. I want to make sure that they don't call them Abdul or you know whatever it is. Right. I think it's almost certainly going to be a bigger issue if you're a white person and you live in a, a really white area. I mean, the, the experience I can draw from is my nephews, who I'm very close with, live in the D.C. area. And, uh, you know, they're both white. My brother-in-law is white, so they're white kids. Um, but the the area they live in, is it's D.C., so it's not like a white area with a couple non-white people sprinkled in. It's everyone everywhere all the time. Right, I think right. a situation like that makes a, you know, sit-down conversation a lot less necessary. It's just a reality they've always been familiar with, and it's not really weird to them. Also, it's it's age. You got you know. First of all, you you can't just go to your six year old and be like, "Hey, let's talk about race." You know, they right. like, "What? Are we yeah. running? What are we doing?" Yeah. So right. you really gotta. You, it's you gotta answer them honestly if they ask the questions. That's number one because a lot of times you know people try to you know dance around the issue, but you should answer them honestly. And then if they're seeing things or things come up. Again, you have honest conversations with them. And as they get older, it's going to come up more and more. Or you'll be able to have mature conversations when they're teenagers and say, hey, do you have any black friends at school? Do you have any Latino friends at school? Why is that? Or whatever that is. What you were just saying, Jeffrey, interestingly enough, um, back in our old house where the couple the couple was mixed race, uh, the, the, the white mom of the family had her nephew come from Wisconsin. Mm. And I guess this nephew wasn't as exposed to the diversity we see in Los Angeles. At this time, I think they were probably like seven or eight years old. I forget how old they were. I took them to go see a movie and there was an Indian Sikh at the movie with a turban, washed his hands, and the kids are washing their hands before we go inside the movie. And my kids just head down. They walk in. The kid from Wisconsin. Turns By the way, to me I goes, enjoy the uh, I enjoy the hygiene brag that you just made in there. Go I ahead. Do, of course, I'm going. <laughs> this is pre-COVID. I had kids washing hands. Okay. So I, my kids and the other kids, LA kids, see the Indian Sikh. Don't think twice. The kid from Wisconsin. I kid you not. 
he waits for the Indian Sikh to walk away and he turns to me he goes and he was scared he goes that guy was Al-Qaeda and I go oh what? oh my god he was, was Al-Qaeda I go no <laughs> the kids are the problem the kids you're like are you the mean problem. Fred? <laughs> yeah uh, Oh and God. that kid is now Tucker Carlson. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, folks, let me know what you think. Do you have any, like, pro tips for how to raise kids that aren't racist? Because I truly want to take notes. I don't know how this is going to pan out with my own kid, with my own racist child. Uh, let's see what happens. All right, folks, that is the end of the show. Oh, my God. Thank you so much um, for joining me. And what I would really love is for the folks uh, of Fake the Nation to be able to find you and see and hear all of the stuff that you do. Uh, Maz Jobrani, where do they do that? They can follow me. I'm at Maz Jobrani on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I just got on TikTok. Oh, my God. Every Maz Jobrani, M-A-Z-J-O-B-R-A-N-I. I've monopolized this guy. Jeffrey Maurer, where do people find you? Uh, They can find me on imightberwrong.substack.com. That's my newsletter. That's where all my creative energy is going right now. And uh, and it's free, which I think is uh, an appropriate. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't wait to subscribe to your Substack. Um, You're clearly hilarious and what everyone should read, what you have to say. And everyone should go see Maz on tour. Don't forget to go see him on tour. It's, uh, I know, I'm just, I'm a friend, but also a fan who loves uh, watching Madra Bani perform. So definitely go do that. Uh, folks, uh, you know where to find me and all the things that I do. But what I would really like to do is thank all the people who make this show possible. That's our producer, Julia Linden, our sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, the wonderful people at HeadGum. Our theme music is written by Gobby Alter. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show. You can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com to let us know about guest ideas, segment ideas, whatever ideas. Uh, join the Patreon for bonus content. Um, you can do that at patreon.com slash Farsad. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.